This episode of the Honest Worship Podcast was recorded on Zoom. We would like to apologize for any audio issues that you might experience while listening to this episode. Without further ado, we would love to jump into our final episode of our series on the Atonement featuring special guest Pastor Rennie Cherry. Welcome to the Honest Worship Podcast. Um, We are so thankful that you have hopefully listened to all uh, five parts of this. Well, this is the fifth part. So you have listened to the previous four parts and you are now listening to this fifth part of our atonement series. Um, This is probably have been our longest like groups of episodes. Uh, I know the last one that we put out on substitution was an hour and 31 minutes, which is a lot. Uh, of listening time but if you did listen to that entire episode uh, thank you so much for doing that if you listen to all these atonement episodes thank you so much for doing that Um, one thing that i would encourage and we've been trying to say this before each episode that we've uh, released in regards to the atonement uh, please listen to uh, all the episodes uh, in order Uh, so if you have missed uh, part one i encourage that you would listen to part one uh if you missed part two, of course, listen to part two, um, because a lot of the stuff that we are saying uh, and a lot of the stuff that we are talking about, especially in uh, in regards to the atonement and worship, um, really build on on the foundations of what we talked about previously. Um, we are going to be addressing the divinity of Christ. We're going to be addressing the, that cup, the cup of God's wrath. We're going to be addressing uh, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. Um, and so I urge you, please go listen to those other episodes, because uh, if we don't truly understand uh, the fullness of what we talked about there, um, some of the stuff that we say in this episode might not make a lot of sense. Um, but I encourage you again, go listen to those episodes and then come back, listen to this episode, or you can listen to this episode and then go listen to those episodes. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, uh, you can probably tell by maybe our description or our caption or even our title. We have a special guest today for this, uh, last final, I guess, finale part episode for our series um and that is pastor renny charian uh renny chachan i will let you introduce yourself thank you sammy it's truly an honor to be part of a podcast which is dedicated to encouraging the body of christ to engage in honest christ-centered worship there's nothing more thrilling than to be part of something like this that's really captivating in terms of Not just that it's honest and Christ-centered, but it's carried on by two young, vibrant, dynamic, uh, I would say uh, Christ-centered young people uh, who should be doing other things uh, in terms of worldly standards. But I truly am proud of Samuel, John, and Rufus James for doing this because... I can't believe what God has in store for both of you and through the ministries of Honest Podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I actually met Renny Chachin pretty recently, actually. He came to, from, he's actually a pastor in Dallas, right? Um, I believe, right? Did I get that right? Yes, Dallas. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, he's a pastor in Dallas. And so we, he actually came to speak at our church. And so that's the first time that I met him. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit more, uh, throughout these last few months. And so to have him on the podcast is, is truly a privilege. Um, and he is the youth pastor at his church. And so, uh, we have him on today and he's going to really be talking about a lot of this stuff that he sees, uh, amongst the, the youth of, of this world, right. And, and me, I'm 17. Rufus is uh, in his early twenties. Right. And so we, uh, we're still, all of us here on this, on, on today's episode are, are fairly young. And so we would, the community that we're trying to reach is, is like people my age, like the 17 year olds, 18 year olds, uh, the young worship leaders that are coming up, the young people who are uh, starting maybe at worship ministry, who have a passion for God, um, and our goal through this episode is to really be pointing to 
it's important that we have passion and it's important that we want to worship God, but what truly drives our worship for God? Um, and so Randy Johnson is going to be talking about um, a lot of the areas that he might see in the church today amongst the youth in where we are leaving uh, worshiping or, or abandoning the idea of worshiping in light of the mercies of God. Um, and so, yeah, uh, so all three of us, me, Rufus, and uh, uh, Pastor Rennie, uh, we are all going to be talking about the different matters that we have and the different topics that we have uh, in regards to the atonement and worship. Um, and so without further ado, let's jump right in um, to this episode. Um, and this episode is all about worship in light, worshiping in light of the mercies of God. Uh, and so, yeah, let's jump right in. Uh, the first thing that we would like to talk about, and if you, again, I, I urge you that you would go listen to the previous uh, episode, um, but the first thing that we would like to talk about is the divinity of Christ. Um, I think a lot of times when we, when we talk about worship or when we talk about uh, the cross, especially the cross, especially the atonement and in regards to the atonement, uh, one thing that I've, I've noticed the more I listen to sermons and the more I listen to messages is uh, sometimes there can be a lack of addressing the divinity of Christ. Um, and I know I was talking to uh, Renny Chachin prior, or Pastor Renny, uh, prior to uh, recording this episode. We talked on Tuesday, and I was talking about the, there's a, the analogy of, of the, the, the railroad conductor or like the guy that operates the switches for the railroad uh, and there's the drawbridge uh, and then uh, the father is there and the son is there and the train comes and the son tries to go lower the bridge and amidst all this chaos the son gets caught in the middle of the gears um, and the father now is in this dilemma do I save all these people or do I kill my son who accidentally uh, and that's the kind of key word that I want to hit on there, accidentally got caught in the gears. Um, and then, of course, the, the story goes, yes, the father lowers uh, the drawbridge or, um, and the son gets crushed, the son dies. And so the father sacrificed his son for uh, all those people. Um, and while, in a sense, I think that, that analogy is true in the sense that the father did give up his son in that sense, I think the the idea especially and this is one an analogy that's used often in youth groups in youth groups or to describe the cross of the atonement to kids right to kids to uh, people who are my age or younger um, i know this was the first analogy of the cross that i heard um you know the the father you know the son was trapped in the gears and the father was in this dilemma what do i do what do i do um and we talked about in in episode one uh, or part one of this series, the cross is not an accident. The cross is not an accident. Mm. The cross was not plan B of God. The cross was never plan C of God or any other plan that God had. Um, and I think when we when we talk about the atonement, when we talk about uh, this this idea, especially or the atonement as it's portrayed in that in that analogy where the son accidentally gets caught in the gears. The son accidentally gets caught in, in, this, in this dilemma. And the father also portrayed in that idea of what do I do? Do I, do I sacrifice my son or do I, or do I let these people die? Um, and I think what we do in that situation is, one, we diminish the all-knowing, all-wise uh, aspect of God where from the beginning of the world, he ordained, uh, right, uh, the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Uh, what a beautiful truth that is that we read in, in the book of Revelation, or even in the book of Acts, uh, where according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, Jesus was given up to be crucified. Um, and so we portray God as this, as this uh, God who's, who's caught in this dilemma, who has no idea what he, he's going to do, and he kind of makes this impulse decision right away. Okay, I, I'm going to save them. And then the son, completely helpless, held against his will in those, in those gears, uh, and the bridge collapses. Um, I think for me, uh, looking back on that, and I was like, I never thought of it that way. I never thought, I mean, of course, we always think, wow, what a great sacrifice. But we never think about the, that idea of, whoa, wait, 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 this is, this is not, this is not a willing sacrifice. This is, 
a God who somehow sacrificed some other being or some other part, but not himself. I think we forget to often address the divinity of Christ in regards to his work and that sacrificial uh, aspect of the cross. Um, so let me guys, let, let, let's hear your thoughts, uh, Rufus and, and Pastor Rennie. Uh, in regards to that analogy, or even even to the regards of Christ's divinity and the atonement itself. Yeah, I'll quickly go, and then uh, uh, just to hear from Pastor Rennie, but uh, Sam, I'm just going to piggyback on what Sammy said. For me, uh, d- there's there's always been a, an understanding for me recently that many of our mistakes or misinterpretations in Scripture come from not uh, a very high level like misinterpretation, but in our mistakes and understanding very fundamental and foundational things. One of that being the divinity of Christ. If we don't understand the divinity of Christ, it opens up room for many, many false interpretations of scripture. Another one is what Sammy, you said about the plan of the cross. And that was one thing for me that I never really grasped uh, growing up. The fact that you know, we read oftentimes, we tend to read the Bible from the beginning as God is just kind of doing damage control, one after the other after the other, and suddenly he came to a point where he was like, I think the only way I can do this is my son. Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, to see the plan of God to show his mercy and love in his holiness by coming down as God and giving his life for the people from the beginning that's where we see the beauty of the entire scripture. That's where we understand what the law was mm-hmm. for. That's what we understand where the prophets were for, what the kings were for, what God's divine plan from the beginning was about. So I would just say that uh, if we don't understand, yes, that God was, uh, Jesus was fully man and fully God, we don't understand substitutionary atonement. And if we don't understand that Jesus and the cross was not God's damage control and a possible way out, um, uh, and if we don't really understand that this was God's plan from the beginning, it'll lead to misinterpretations and eventually uh, ideas of Jesus, like we just talked about, about a helpless train conductor having to give up his son. So uh, I think fundamentally mm-hmm. that's why we've been yeah. preaching it from the beginning. Uh, it might it might seem so strenuous why we're going over these very fundamental basic things because if we miss if we fall there, we'll we'll not understand anything. So that's what yeah. I would just uh, piggyback yeah. on what Sammy said. Now, these are some powerful thoughts right here because, uh, you know, as preachers and also as audience who listen to a lot of preaching, um, we are always captivated by illustrations. A preacher is always looking for illustrations to illustrate uh, truth, right? A timeless truth is being illustrated. And the audience immediately connect with that because they are now seeing something very abstract in real live motion right yeah yeah and so i used to use uh that video of the bridge so there was a movie that was actually released of that illustration that sammy just oh said. really it's called the bridge and uh, there's like a three minute video that uh, kind of showcases that entire scene and that's powerful and i've seen people being moved to tears by seeing that And of course, that shows one attribute of God where God cares for the lost souls who are unaware that they're lost in sin. But Mm -hmm. it kind of places a closed eye, blind eye to the son who accidentally falls into the gears. And the father had to crush the son, not out of the son's own willingness, but father's love for the people right so a thousand people were saved but one son was lost right so it shows one attribute of god which cannot be refuted but that's where we have problems with illustrations illustrations cannot be scriptural truths completely right Mm -hmm. that's where scripture is completely different from illustrations now that's where theology helps us That's where honest conversations on theology helps us understand where we kind of lose focus on certain aspects of illustrations that kind of cloud our idea of, for example, in this case specifically, Christ's willing sacrifice. 
Yeah. Now, nobody forced Jesus Christ to die on a cross, right? Mm-hmm. No one actually forced that. In fact, right from the starting of each gospel, Jesus comes across to his disciples and says, I'm going to die, right? Uh, that was his plan all along. Now, uh, with accidental deaths like these, or illustrations that show Christ's accidental sacrifice, it almost shows God not just as a loving father, but like a, as a cosmic being that advocates child abuse, right? right. Uh, it's, it's so scary just thinking about that. And the one incident that really stopped me from using that illustration was after a VBS, when a mother came up to me, she couldn't stop crying. And she said, I had multiple miscarriages, and I couldn't just watch that video where I saw God the Father causing his son to die for the sake of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Like for a mother who lost her children, immediately she was asking the question, did God kill my child too? You see, that's the danger of illustrations. Yeah. So, illustrations have their place, but that's where honest conversations and honest um, conversations on what the scripture talks about and scripture widely talks about Jesus' willing sacrifice. Even in Hebrews, it says uh, that Jesus willingly suffered and died. So we have enough proof to show that it was not an accidental death, but a willing sacrifice. And that's where we need to be really cautious of how we use illustrations and how we need to have more conversations on solid theology. Yeah. Um and and Renny Chasen, what you said right there, you know, this I this I the idea that it portrays of this cosmic God who advocates, you know, the the what looks like um the just mass killings of 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 what what this poor innocent child and, and that the the conversation there of that mother coming up the thing that like just going off track of the divinity of Christ, going off track of the willingness of Jesus has already portrayed to us a false God. That's what it's done. It's caused us to, it's caused countless youths in our, in, in the world, in this generation, um, to look to a false God, a God who is stuck in this dilemma, a son who is unwillingly being killed. I mean, that's what the cross was, right? If Jesus didn't just get pricked on the finger and shed his blood. No, he was hung there. He suffered in our place. Um, like, that is, that is so sad. That there are instances like that where people can come up to somebody and, and, and say, how could God do this? How could God do this? And, and I understand, I'm not in any way disagreeing that the Father loves us enough to send His Son. But what we do is, so many times we overemphasize the sacrificial love of the Father in sending or giving His Son that we completely take away from the willingness of the Son Himself. We completely, completely move away from that. We portray this God who's just so traumatized by this decision that he has to make that he's not truly the all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, merciful, and ultimately willing, sacrificial lamb that we see in Scripture. And so we have this false idea of God that we have come to worship. Um, and Rufus, if you if you have anything to Yeah, add. I actually had, I had a, a question for Pastor Rennie, and I... And I know these illustrations, um, usually they don't arise. Uh, we talk about Paul uh, talking to the church, uh, even in Corinth, about how they should already be at a spiritual maturity level, but they are like infants, right? And oftentimes these, these illustrations don't come to a spiritually mature group in order to kind of get, their, uh, get a good understanding of what 
the scripture is talking about, it usually starts at a very young level to kind of get into the minds of people who might not be able to grasp the entirety of what atonement was or what God really did. So how how is it? How would you go about that for a a, a younger uh, generation that may not be at a spiritually mature level to really understand like ideas of atonement and propitiation and things like that to kind of hit home um, what God really did or who Jesus was, what his purpose was? Right. That's a good question because um, most of our theology or our understanding of God really stems from Sunday school classes or might be songs that we sing in church without even mindfully thinking about it or even illustrations, right? Um, all of that can lead us in a lot of different ways because even song is just a, a powerful, spontaneous outburst of emotions, right? So we can be really figurative and not be literal in our songs. And if your understanding of God is based on metaphors, yeah. maybe you have a skewed understanding of God. So what I would challenge every young person is, or even a preacher is, your, the Word of God should come first and then illustrations, yeah. right? Your illustrations should be uh, strategically chosen to illustrate the truth that emerges out of God, the Word of God. Right. Usually what ends up happening is, oh, here's a great illustration. Let me look at a verse that kind of illustrates the illustration. Or here's a song, let me find a good verse that I can preach on that connects with the song. Right. You just got it messed up. Yeah. You start with the Word of God and see, you have, an, you have a pool of songs, right? Mm. You see wh which song now fits and illustrates the truth of God's Word. So yeah. let's start and mm. anchor ourselves to the Scripture, which is literal Word of God and then illustrate it and use metaphors to illustrate the truth of God's Word. Wow. That's good. Wow. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Pastor Annie, what you, what you said uh, in regards to the, the idea of we have a skewed understanding of God, right? If we don't, if we just have these metaphorical lyrics in songs, and this, is, this episode is about worship, right? And, and if we have these, and, and, I just want to agree with that 100% agree with what you said, because I think so many times we, we get to a place, especially in worship and as, as worship leaders or people on a worship team or even members of a congregation where we get so caught up in, and even, even in what we talked about that analogy, right? The moment and the drama of that moment. And we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, this wonderful uh, sacrificial aspect of God where we so exalt one aspect where, and we completely diminish the other aspect of, of Christ's willingness. And it's exactly what, what, what we just said, right? That it's a skewed understanding of God. And, and what we do is we're not, we, don't, we end up not worshiping God for who he truly is, but rather God as this figment or picture that we have of him and not truly the God of the Bible. If you are not looking to Christ in your worship, you are not worshiping God. Christ. We cannot have a mindset of God that we want to have and then expect God to be pleased in our worship of the God that we have created. Because that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God that the angels are singing holy, holy, holy to. If we have a God that we have created or an aspect of God, even just like that illustration portrays this one aspect of this, of God's love, and completely diminishes the willingness of the Son, who is also fully God. What we end up doing is not worshiping God, but a figment of our imagination. Let's talk about that right now. How, how in worship have we shifted away from worshiping God as God? How in worship have we shifted away from worshiping God as God? Um, I think number one area that we can go to probably to see just people worshiping God as God is the Psalms. David is just delighting on every single attribute of God. I mean, David talks about 
the righteousness of God in the Psalms. He talks about the mercy of God in the Psalms. He talks about the love of God in the Psalms. He talks about the grace of God in the Psalms. And he talks about the wrath of God in the Psalms, the judgment of God in the Psalms, the justice of God in the Psalms. This is the same David who appeals to God's mercy in Psalm 51 that writes about God's judgment in Psalm 5 and in Psalm 11 and in many other Psalms. He talks about God's judgment against the wicked and it's before this God that he comes and says, have mercy on me, O God, you God, this same God who's able to judge and pour out his wrath on wicked, sinful humanity. You, O God, have mercy on me according to your abundant love. And so where have we, um, and Renny Chachin, I think you can talk about this probably the most because you, you see this more than we do uh, in, in, in your uh, role as a pastor. Um, where have we shifted away from worshiping God as God? I feel like the best observation of all of that is we're just full of ourselves. Mm. We're just so full of ourselves to the point where, where we go to worship God or we claim to go to worship God, and our uh, complaint at the end of the day is we didn't get anything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, mm -hmm. brother or sister, you're not here to worship God to get something. You're here to give everything that you have, mm -hmm. right? You're here mm -hmm. not for yourself. You're here for God. Uh, just like that song says, we are here for you. God is not here for us. We are here for God. We are here to worship Him. We're here to give whatever we have. We're here to just fall down at our knees and say, we are here for you. Because worship is not about you. It's about God. And that's the question. Who is or what is the object of our worship? I see a lot of I-centeredness when it comes to worship. When God has to be at the center, it's all about me. It's all about us. It's all about what we do. It's all about what yeah, we yeah. want. It's all about what we have. And we are at the center. And the thing is, worship is not about you or me or anyone, any human, because we are not worthy of worship. God is worthy of worship. Mm -hmm. And the moment we realize that we are not here for ourselves, and you are not the object of worship, but God is, I feel like that's a huge shift that needs to happen in our faith and belief, where we are here for God and God is not here for us because honestly, God can exist without us, but we cannot exist without God. Yeah. 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 And I think absolutely what, what Pastor Rani just said is the direction of worship changed. The direction of worship shifted from us ascribing worth and uh, sovereignty and glory and majesty to God. And it shifted to what can God do for me? And it's amazing to see how our, not just is it seen in the mindset of the people who gather, but in the preaching and the songs in which we hear nowadays, where the motive of the entire church has been to uh, encourage the people to gather together and to, you know, sing or praise or do whatever in order that God may do something. Mm -hmm. And I, say, I, I often say this before, and it's something that we have to understand. Not only when we say that God is worth, one thing I often say is God is worthy regardless. Understanding that God's worth is not even defined in his mercy shown to us in the cross. That's something we have to understand. God's worth, in, in wor God's worth is not even defined there. It's not as if God became worthy because he sent his son Jesus. No, we were worthy of judgment. We were not worthy of his mercy. So if God had not provided a way for redemption for us, he would still be worthy of praise. Yeah. Right? So we never worship God in order to get something, but we worship God for who he is regardless. And that's why, you know, when we talk about when, when I hear questions like, all right, what do, what do we say to, a, uh, how do we tell a person to worship or what songs do we sing or what preachings do we do for a person who's going through this or a person who's going through that or a person who's going through this? We don't, we don't uh, start to box God's worth into different circumstances and seasons of life, but in all things, God is worthy. And if God's worth was defined in how much we had and how blessed and honored and 
uh, popular we were and how blessed and prosperous our life was, then God would have no worth in the life of the apostles that we read in the, the New Testament because that wasn't mm. their life. Their life was suffering. It was persecution. It was martyrdom. But in all of that, they, saw, they, they didn't diminish the worth of God because they realized that in every single thing, God is still worthy. The, they saw the mercy of God. They saw the love of God. And, and, and a big thing for me when I was growing up was because I felt like worship meant that I do it and I do it and I do it in order to feel something. Mm-hmm. I, needed to, I needed to physically feel, there needed to be validation for my singing mm-hmm. physically. I needed mm-hmm. to feel some emotion. I needed to cry. I needed the hairs on my, on my back to stand up. Otherwise, it didn't happen. It didn't reach God, right? Mm-hmm. But what, what is, and, and again, that, that goes back to what is our motivation? What is our motivation? And oftentimes I get the question, well, you know, God does move. God does move in our preaching. God does move in our singing. Yes, that's true. But um, in John chapter uh, 4, verse 23 to 24, uh, Jesus says, the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Meaning if, if, if there is a void or absence of truth, the spirit of God won't move. Yeah. The Spirit of God does not move in the absence of its own truth or his own truth, right? So whenever the truth of God is proclaimed, regardless of what season people are going through, regardless of what background people are going through, when we proclaim the glory and and the majesty of who God is and his worth, and we draw people to that regardless, that's where the Spirit starts to convict and to transform and to renew. And so it's not about emotional feeling and it's not about how much did you do so that God can do this much? But regardless, whether God does not do a single miracle or a wonder or a healing, can we come into the presence of God and just give it all to him like Pastor Rennie was saying? Mm-hmm. So the motivation shifted. The motivation shifted. The direction of worship shifted. And um, we, we need some validation, whether it's uh, physical or emotional or even financial. We need some validation from God to know that our worship was good. Oftentimes we hear, hey, how was worship today? Worship was really good. Worship was really good. Like we're validating our worship when it should be God who validates our worship, right? So uh, I think that's, mm-hmm. where, that's where the shift has taken place. Yeah, um, Rufus, one thing, that would, one thing that you said, God is worthy regardless. God is worthy regardless of, mm-hmm. of whatever happens. God is still infinitely worthy of prayer. And in this whole idea of why are we talking about the divinity of Christ? Why are we talking about this idea of was God in that dilemma in the analogy that we talked about? Was God in that dilemma? Was the son truly willing? Why are we talking about this right now is irregardless of whether God does this or God does that? Is he still worthy of praise? Is because when it comes to understanding the person and work of Jesus Christ, if we truly do not understand first that God is worthy of praise, irregardless of whether he chose to save us or not, then we will never be truly driven to praise in light of the marvelous mercy that God chose to exalt his. God, that God had no reason whatsoever. He would have been perfectly just and eternally praised as God. God would have been eternally praised for who he is, regardless of whether he chose to save us or not. And if we don't understand that, if we don't understand that God, that Jesus, Jesus, the the one who gave himself for us, that same God, that same substitutionary, wonderful lamb of God is still worthy of praise if he chose not to save us, if he chose not to go to that cross. I mean, he tells Peter, he tells Peter in the garden, do you not know that I can appeal to my father and I can send angels to come? He didn't have to go to the cross and he would have been eternally praised if he didn't. And yet he chose to. That's, that's the craziness about this. That's the, that's the beauty of understanding the divinity of Christ. Because this is God. Fully God became sin. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It was his willingness. This God who would have been praised for all of eternity, right? Rufus talked about God is worthy regardless. Regardless of whether he chose to save us or 
even though he did save us, heaven is singing praises for all of eternity to God because he's God, because he's holy, because he's worthy, because he is, always will be, and always what? God is this God. And it is this God who was the willing sacrifice for our sin. I mean, John, John 10, 18, Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my accord. I have the authority to lay it down and to take it up again. This is God, this divine son. And this is the importance of understanding it. And I know we keep reiterating it. Why? This is why. God is worthy of praise because he, was, he is God. And irregardless of whether he chose to save us or to pour out his righteous judgment on us, he would have been praised as God. And yet it is the same God who was the willing sacrifice, who laid down his life for the sheep. Uh, speaking of the judgment of God, I mean, let's talk about that right now. I think so many times in, in worship, and, and like we talked about even right now, the idea of worshiping God as God, do we worship God as a judge? Do we praise God for his righteous judgment? I think so many times in worship, and, and we were, me and Rufus were talking about this on the last episode uh, when we talked about Psalm 5, right? No one would ever, no, most people would never read Psalm 5. Those, that, those first five verses, God talking, David is just thinking about God's judgment and justice, the holiness of God. And he gets to verse, verse 5 and he says, You, O God, um, you are holy. No evil cannot even dwell in your midst. You cannot look upon evil. You abhor, right? That's a strong word. And yet David writes this in the Psalms. And, he's, and this is the same David that is meditating on the word of God day and night. He delights in the law of God. And the law condemns him as a sinner. He knows that. He knows the law condemns him as a sinner. That's why he writes what he writes in Psalm 5. That's what he writes when he writes the other Psalms talking about the justice and the judgment of God. And that's also why he writes about the mercy of God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your abundant mercy according to your steadfast love. And I think so many times what we do is we tend to exalt, and, and like we talked about, worshiping God as God means that we have to worship him also for his justice. And I think one thing that we, we often forget is that heaven for all of eternity, if God did not choose to save us, would have been praising God for his justice. He is worthy of praise, irregardless, like we talked about. Um, so let's talk about that. Have we seen the church today completely shift off of that idea of God's righteous judgment, God's righteousness, God's, na namely his holiness, right? God's, God's judgment of sin does not stem from this psychotic attribute of God that he has. No, this stems from his holiness, perfect holiness that is innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, like we read when talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. But that's the reality of God's holiness, unstained, separated from sinners. There is not an inkling of God that in any way can tolerate sin. So let's talk about that. Um, where have we strayed away from the idea of God's justice in, in, in the church today? and how that has led us to worship, like we talked about in, 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 in talking about the divinity of Christ, a false God. So um, I feel like we have had a time in church where a lot of the ministers would portray God as a moral monster and would always throw in wrath and fury, you're all going to go to hell. There's no uh, excuse for any one of you. You all deserve to die. And that, again, skewed the understanding of God. Yeah. Where God was portrayed as this moral monster, where um, I know personally of young people who moved into atheism because they didn't see any hope. They felt like they were lost in sin, and there's no coming back. They were doomed to die, so might as well eat, mm. drink, and be merry, because tomorrow they're going to die. 
So there was no hope for them. And I feel like that's where meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, in perfect harmony, the man who is God, needs to be portrayed, talked about, worshipped as God. Yeah. He is encompassing justice and mercy, grace and redemption, forgiveness and love for all who believe in him. And God's death was not just for one group of people who proved themselves to be righteous. God's sacrifice for, is for all, for all of humanity. And for all who believe in his name, he will give them the right to be children of God, where we have access to the Father to call him Abba, Father. So while God is a just God, while the justice of God remains, while the judgment of God remains, the word of God now and then says, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's where you see the goodness yeah. of God. Yeah. Right? If God were to choose between mercy and judgment, he would go with mercy. He would say, uh, there's still room for you. While you turn your back to God, if you turn around back to him, he will welcome you with arms open wide. And that's where we find hope in a just God, where he's a father. While he's transcendent, he's also imminent. While he's a creator of the universe, he is still the God who wants to come in the coolness of the garden to have fellowship with Adam. That's the God that we serve. While Adam willfully rebelled against God, while Adam and Eve willfully rebelled against God, God still chooses to come down and still try to make a way to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. That's the God that we serve. Yeah, and that's so important. Like under understanding, and I know we had a whole episode on the wrath of God, and we spent even in our substitution episode the understanding the wrath of God. And and just like you said, there's often times where God is portrayed as this moral monster where there is no hope. There is no hope for you. If you are a sinner, you will always be a sinner. You are going to hell. And I think it's important that we understand the wrath of God because if we can't, in contrast with the wrath of God, we will never understand the fullness and abundance of God's mercy. But I think in your reference to the garden, I was listening to a pastor and he was was talking about, you know, Adam and Eve never ever, and this really changed my view and perception of God. Um, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they never sought to go to God. They never sought to go to God or to appeal to him for forgiveness. They never pursued after God. They never strived at, towards God. They, they hid themselves from God. They moved away from God. And yet God is the one that came to them. God is the one that pursued them. Even though they didn't pursue after God, God pursued them. And I think... When we understand the wrath of God, and I know that's a pretty scary term, the wrath of God, but we also have to understand that stems from his holiness. And yet amidst his holiness, and and we're going to talk about right now the mercy of God, amidst his holiness, he is the only one who is holy enough to bear the punishment for sin. When none of us could fulfill the law that we stood against and made a subject to God's judgment and his justice, he was the only one who could, and he took on sinful flesh so that he might condemn sin in the flesh. Mm. Right? That's, what, that's what we see in Romans. Paul spends time deep in a very detailed manner going over the law, going over the wrath of God, going over the justice of God. And he gets to chapter 3, verse 24, and he says, This Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation. I mean, the wrath of God is so important for us to understand. And yet, it, what it does is further drives us to gaze upon the mercy of God displayed towards us. That's, that's, the, that's why we address this. That's why we had a whole episode on the cup. That's why it's so important to, for us to understand when Jesus is crying in the garden, sweating great drops of blood, what is in that cup that he, that he 
pleaded with the Father, take it away from me if there's any possible way. What is he enduring on that cross as he's hanging there, suspended between heaven and earth? What is he enduring? It's not just the nails of the Romans that he endured. It's not just the, 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 the shame or the guilt. And yes, Christ bore all of our shame and Christ bore all of, all of our guilt on that cross so that we can be free from that. Amen. Praise God for that. But there was a price we could never pay, which is the due justice of God because of our sin. And God himself paid it. That's the craziness of this, this atonement that we're talking about. That's why we first started off with the divinity of Christ, because this God, who would have been praised regardless, and just like Pastor Rennie said, chose to be merciful, chose to be merciful. He chooses. While he could have been exalted in his judgment, he chose to be exalted in his mercy without ever for a second compromising his holiness. Because he himself was the just and the justifier by taking upon the wrath that we deserve due sin upon himself. That's the majesty of this cross. That's the, that's the beauty of this cross. That's why we can, we, after talking so many times, every episode, 17 episodes now, and say, worship in light of the mercies of God. That's the, that's the beauty of this. That's the beauty of this. We see, and I, we talked about Psalm 5. We see David in Psalm 5, verse 5 to 6. He said, Lord, you, you abhor the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. You hate all evildoers. And then he says in verse 7, but I, according to the abundance of your mercy, can enter into your holy house. I, don't, I, I would hate to think, and I really do not think, that David is exalting himself above everybody else. I do not for a second think that David is saying, God, these people are worthy of your judgment, but I'm not worthy of your judgment. But what I think that David sees in that moment is according to the abundance of God's love, he can enter though he is deserving of God's judgment. Though he is deserving of God's justice and of God's wrath, he can enter into God's holy house because of the love God displayed in spite of what David deserved. Although David should in that moment, in, right now, if God poured out his judgment, God would have been perfectly just. But yet he was merciful and he is merciful and he will continue being merciful for all of eternity. We see in Revelation, the saints say, worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain. For you were slain. Rufus, if you have anything to add on to that, because I know you you talk about ransom so many times. Yeah, uh, with with um, with that, I I just want to kind of just uh, talk about. I think I mentioned this last episode is um, God has never had to compromise any of His attributes to show one, uh, another. He's never had to compromise His mercy to be just. He's never had to compromise His justice to be merciful. God has always fully all of those things, right? The cross was not God being unjust and just being merciful. God was being just and merciful mm-hmm. on the cross, right? So God never in all of eternity has never diminished one of his characteristics in order to act in another. Um, and oftentimes the reason why we have a skewed understanding of God and the reason why uh, understanding things like justice and righteousness, holiness and wrath, these things are important is because oftentimes we come into the picture uh, or we put ourselves into the picture of God's love as if we are entitled to it, yeah. um, as if mm. we are entitled to God's mercy, as if we're entitled to grace, as if we were born and God owes us this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we, but we see over and over again in the Old Testament, and I, I talked about this, about um, while God is giving to Moses his plan for the tabernacle, you know, it's, it's amazing to see how, how wicked and murmuring and questioning the people of Israel are. And at the same time, God is like, you know what, let me give away to the people of Israel through a tabernacle, through the Ark of the Covenant, where A, my glory can dwell among this people who are rebel against me, but at the same time, they can have a way for their sins to be atoned for. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, while God is doing that at the top of the mountain, the people are on the bottom of the mountain making another God for themselves. And so this is what entitlement looks like. When we feel like, all right, we're, we have an authority, we have 
uh, we can be, uh, God can do for us or be for us whatever we want. And um, that's where we have to understand things like justice and righteousness and God's holiness to realize that, no, we're entitled to his judgment. That's really the only mm. entitlement we have. Mm. We're entitled to the punishment of our sins. The wages of sin is death. That's our entitlement. But in that, we see the, gr- the glorious mercy of God. And that's why, uh, you know, telling someone who, uh, and, and I've heard many uh, servants of God talk about this, telling someone who's in love with themselves that someone else loves them does nothing but just boost up their love for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Telling someone who feels nothing, no, no remorse over anything in their life that God is merciful to them, it does nothing. But to come to an understanding of, man, this is who I am. I am a sinner. I am unworthy. I am deserving of God's judgment. And then to see the mercy and love and grace of God that's where the fullness of God, that's where the fullness of the gospel is portrayed. And so I think it's important that we understand that we're not entitled to it. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't earned or anything like that, but it was simply God's grace. Complete, the complete picture of the gospel is necessary into order to understand and then to be driven to worship God according to his mercy. We can never come to a full uh, motive of worship of God's mercy if we feel like we deserved it. Mm-hmm. Right, but if it's undeserved, unworthy, but God, in His providence, would choose us and to show His mercy to us, that's when we really come into worship. And so that's what uh, I would have to say about that. Um, that uh, yeah, it's it's not that we're entitled. Oftentimes, the reason we don't talk about God's justice is because we feel entitled to His mercy. But God doesn't compromise anything. But at the cross, it was a completion of all of those attributes for our salvation. Yeah. So what I see right now both of you doing or all of us doing right here is just worshiping god for who he is like even with this conversation we are excited about jesus mm-hmm. we are excited about what god did for us when we when he could when he had the choice of not doing it and still being okay and being worshiped as god he willfully chose to die on the cross for us and he is worthy to be praised now it makes sense that the atonement of God evokes our worship. Right. Yeah. He is worthy to be praised for who he is. Yeah. Not because I deserved it. I was undeserving. Mm-hmm. I didn't deserve this. But God made a way for... This uh, reminds me of a quote by Stanley Grintz. And he says, We cannot understand the full meaning of the cross of Christ. We can only stand in silence before it acknowledge its wonder and submit to its power. Mm. Let me repeat that again. We cannot understand the full meaning of the cross of Christ. We can only stand in silence before it, acknowledge its wonder and submit to its power. Now, uh, definitely stand in silence does not literally mean just stand in silence looking at the cross. (laughs) It means... We are all lost for words. We're, we're trying to find that word that expresses the beauty, the wonder, and the power of the cross. And so that should be our worship. Yeah. That, at that point, we are worshiping God for who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope our worship will be completely different because many of us might be worshiping ourselves. Quite frankly. (laughs) And I feel like if you're listening to this right now, wherever you are, that could be a question that you're asking yourself. Who are you worshiping? Are you worshiping yourself? Mm. Are you going back looking through your worship service or uh, your Sunday service to look at how great you were? Mm. That could be a good test of who are we worshiping? Yeah. Or what are we worshiping? Who are you full of God or are you full of yourself? Mm-hmm. And so our response should be worship, gratitude, and Romans calls it the obedience of faith. Our obedience in our day-to-day life should be our worship to this Almighty God. The reason, the reason why I don't cuss, the reason why I stay away from anything sinful, the reason I abstain from the things that the world calls delightful is my worship to God. I stay away, not for myself, I stay away, stay away for God. 
And yeah, uh, the atonement of God evokes our worship. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, we're about to wrap up soon, and I'm so glad that one. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Randy, that you would take your time and just sit down and have a conversation with us about this. Um, if we could summarize this it, this whole series in in one phrase, by the mercies of God. That's it. That's it. This is this is our battle cry as this podcast by the mercies of God. We've reiterated it over and over again. Again, <laughs> we just want to urge you, please look at look at the last uh, about an hour that we have spent right now talking about worship and the atonement. And, and, and look at each attribute that we just talked about right here, this aspect of the atonement, the divinity of Jesus Christ, right? He's not some sort of other distant figure from the Father that somehow got caught in this dilemma and this situation, whether the Father either crushed him or saved us. No, this was God's plan from the beginning. He wrote he didn't get caught in the gears. He, he's the one who manufactured the gears, put them in the place, and was willing to stand there and be crushed. That's the craziness of this. God, we worship a God who didn't for a second compromise any of his attributes, yet we can worship this God as God because in his person is where we see his judgment and his mercy and his love and his grace and his righteous, holy indignation and wrath towards sin all displayed, perfectly meshing together and being knit together beautifully at the cross where he himself bore the punishment we deserve. Yeah. And so, worship leaders, congregation members, pastors if there are other pastors listening to this i mean i can't speak from from that standpoint pastor any i thank you that you would you did this and hopefully yeah, what pastor any said really speaks to you guys if there are pastors listening um exalt exalt god that especially worship leaders you have um such a privilege that you get to stand before your congregation with the with the the task of pointing people to God. Point don't please please let that be your task. Don't point people to themselves. Don't point people to uh, lyrics that would make them feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. No, point people to lyrics that will declare the truths of God's holiness and though he could have judged us showed mercy. I mean, sing songs about the mercy of God. Sing songs like, oh, praise the name. Sing songs like Lamb of God. Sing songs like in Christ alone. Sing songs like what a beautiful name. Like, be silenced the boast of sin and grave. Who? Not a man. God himself. Being both fully God, fully man. Died on the cross. Stood in our place. Absorbed the wrath that we deserved. So that we who are found in Christ might sing the praise of God. Yeah, and I had I just wanted to kind of, uh, you know, as Pastor Rennie is here before we, he kind of logs off, I just wanted to uh, ask you to kind of, um, to those who are uh, serving in a church or in whatever, where they are um, responsible into bringing these, this aspect of Christ to the people so that they can worship. It could be a Sunday school teacher, uh, it could be a uh, a youth leader, a small group leader, a pastor, or a worship leader. What would you say to them um, so that they can have this mindset and make sure that their motivation for the people that they have in their congregations or in their groups uh, would be to uh, worship God um, based on who he is and his, his mercy? So uh, for anyone who's serving in ecclesiastical settings, church, ministry, parachurch organizations. I feel like the bottom line for all of us to really understand and remind ourselves is the fact that this is not about you. 
it is a privilege that you and I have to point to the cross. It is a privilege. And don't make this about you. The moment you make this about you is where I don't even know if God is at work anymore. It will be you and it will all be on you. So if you're a worship leader and you're making this about you, I don't think you have God helping you in that. You're on your own. And wonder why so many people in ministry are giving up ministry altogether and letting go of that because somewhere they made it about them and now they don't have anything to rely on. But leave it to God. Let God be God and you and I understand that it's a privilege that we get to right. serve this Almighty God. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, again, uh, one thing that I would urge, I know we talked a lot about the divinity of Christ. We talked a lot about the wrath of God and the mercy of God. Um, if you would listen to the previous episodes, uh, not just so that we could rack up plays or anything, no, but because a lot of this stuff builds on the foundations of one another. I mean, we tried our best to kind of compress it all into an hour, uh, but there is so much more. Uh, truly, go listen to probably the most important episodes, I would say, is I am the cup and the substitute. Um, Lamb of God is a lyric analysis, and you can listen to that because it it, it does a good job of tying all those uh, attributes into a song. Uh, and by the way, go listen to the song Lamb of God by Vertical Worship. Highly recommend it. Um, but go listen to those episodes. Go see the willing sacrifice of Jesus. Go see how he authored the cross. Go see how he is the one in the Old Testament that we see holding this cup of the cup of wrath. And go see how he himself stood in our place as a substitute drinking that cup of wrath. Go, go look at that. Go, go be driven to worship listening to that and go to your churches, go to your houses, go to your friends, go to your family and talk and magnify and exalt this wonderful substitutionary work of Jesus. Um, I know we tried our best to talk about worship in this episode. And honestly, there is so much about god that is worthy of praise and by the mercies of god is just one of those things by the mercies of god is just one of those things and it's probably uh, for me as as somebody who understands and for everybody we all stood against the righteous judgment of god and for us to be saved by his mercy what greater motive is there for us than to just say God, by your mercy, just like David says, according to your steadfast love. I mean, Psalm 136 is just according to his steadfast love, for his steadfast love endures forever, for his steadfast love endures forever. I mean, what greater motive do we have as Christians to come into the house of God as sinners saved by grace and to say, oh God, your mercy. God, your just, your, your, your great love. But yeah, that is... That is, that is our plea uh, with this episode. Um, and with every other episode that comes out, we hope that we just further point you to that wonderful mercy. Uh, again, Pastor Rennie, thank you so much for coming on uh, to this episode. Yeah. Uh, it was truly an honor just to have this conversation. Honestly, as a minister of God, I wish I could have more conversations like this. And uh, it's uh, really thrilling to have conversations like this and i hope we can keep this conversation going yeah 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 um rufus do we have anything to add on to uh anything that we just talked about no no i think i think uh uh we're able to kind of wrap it up really well today once again thank you pastor Ronnie, for joining us it's really uh an honor to have you on it's my honor yeah so yeah thank you so much everybody that listened to this episode um Let's worship in light of the mercies of God. If that's one thing, if there's one takeaway from every single episode that we've had on this podcast, worship in light of the mercies of God. Worship in light of the mercies of God. Worship in light of the mercies of God. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honest Worship Podcast. Again, thank you, Pastor Rennie, for joining us. Uh, It is truly a privilege and an honor to have you on. Um, 
So yeah, we thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on our social media accounts so that you can be updated and you can receive uh, these little clips. If you can't watch episodes in full, you can go to our Instagram. We have little snippets that kind of briefly summarize the episode for you so that if that's uh, something that will help you to kind of just get uh, a brief understanding of things that can encourage you and motivate you to further exalt the mercies of God in your worship as a worship leader, as a pastor, as a member of a congregation, or even for your personal prayer time. Uh, you can be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Honest Worship Podcast. Facebook, we are also on Facebook at The Honest Worship Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can just Google us, The Honest Worship Podcast, and we have our website. You can reach uh, out to us via our contacts form that we have on our website, or you can direct message us um, on Instagram or reach out to us via Gmail. Uh, not The Honest Worship Podcast, but just Honest Worship Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We hope that you have a great rest of the week, rest of the month, and a rest of the year, and we'll see you guys later. Goodbye. See you guys.